Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Gwinnett, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Good morning and welcome to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk with business leaders from Atlanta and the surrounding communities. Silver Lining in the Cloud is brought to you by CDI Managed Services, where we outsource IT solutions, infrastructure support, and cloud computing. I'm Dominic Rainey with CDI Managed Services, and I'll be hosting today's show. We have four li- business leaders in, this, in the studio this morning, and uh, first from uh, Centennial Olympic Park, we'll be speaking with their Assistant General Manager, Joe Skopitz, also from uh, Park Light. Inc. will be speaking with their CFO, Rick Katz, uh, from Gwinnett Children's Center. We'll be speaking with their executive director, Maureen Cornova. Did I say that right, Maureen? You did. Okay, great. And also, last but not least, from Covenant Christian Ministries Academy, we'll be speaking with their superintendent, Vanessa Anderson. Thank you all for being on the show this morning, from taking the time from your busy schedules to be with us. We appreciate it. Uh, So we've got a packed house, and uh, let's kick it off with uh, Joe Skopitz with the uh, Centennial Olympic uh, Park, and uh, tell us a little bit about the park, Joe, what, uh, maybe a little history, and then we'll get into uh, today, you know, what's happening today. Absolutely. So as uh, many people know, we were uh, one of the many spaces that was uh, constructed for the Olympic Games, uh, primarily as a gathering space. Uh, So those folks that didn't have tickets to basketball to see the gold medal winning team with Michael Jordan, or you couldn't get in to see the gymnastics. Uh, it was a place where people from the community could gather and, and really enjoy the Olympic spirit. Uh, Billy Payne uh, came back from the 92 games, uh, saw the uh, wonderful spaces in Barcelona with people at two in the morning enjoying the the, uh, the community and having fun in the Olympic spirit. And he knew that we didn't have that here in, in downtown Atlanta. And Great facilities at Georgia Tech and Georgia State, the Georgia Dome, um, but in the middle of it was essentially urban blight. Uh, he had great hotels and infrastructure. Uh, the International Communications Center was at the Congress Center, but right in the middle of everything, right outside of his office window, was this really blighted area of downtown of, of warehouses and a, and a bus depot, and it just didn't give the message that Atlanta was really prepared for the games. And That's what a, a, the park was built for then and what we continue to do today. It's hard to remember that back then, uh, what that area was like. It's so picturesque now. It, it is a, such it is, a great gathering place. Well, we greatly appreciate it. Um, it again, it was uh, a lot of uh, warehouses, uh, run-down places. It just didn't make sense. Was and that two decades ago? Or? It was. I mean, you, you look back, uh, the Barcelona Games were in 1992 when Billy came back, uh, and really the idea sprouted in 93, 94, and... Uh, I'm actually doing some archiving now, looking at amazing documents from back then and and folks contributing uh, so much money and property and time and resources to create something for the entire city and and really for the future. It wasn't just for the games. Okay. All right. Joe, tell us a little bit about uh, community programming and why it's a priority for Centennial Olympic Park. Well, we get a a great reputation at the park sometimes for some of the bigger things we do. You know, we're involved in the Final Fours and Super Bowls when they come to town. Uh, We do large corporate receptions when uh, conventions is here at the Congress Center. Um, but really, our, our bread and butter is the day-to-day operations of the park when we're doing daily pr- community programming. So whether it's a lunchtime music series, a, a happy hour concert, children's festivals, farmers markets, any of those things, we believe that it's not just the once-a-week big items, but the daily traffic and the daily events that we have there that keep it active. Mm-hmm. That's really one of our pillars. You, you've got to keep it clean, 
you've got to keep it safe, and you've got to keep it active. And that last leg of it, people think that, well, a park, people are just going to come to it. And that's not necessarily true. Uh, you've got so many people at, at, at Turner across the street with CNN, uh, the American Cancer Society, all the downtown businesses. Let's give them something to do. Let's let them bring them through the park, moms and strollers, all those great people who are downtown every day. But let's give them something to do while they're there. If not, they're just going to pass through. Okay, Joe, tell us a little bit about some of the different attractions. Are there standard uh, attractions that people can look forward to on a typical day in the park? Yeah, the the most the, the biggest thing that people see is the Fountain of Rings. It really is a centerpiece okay. of the park. Uh, it was there during the Olympics. Um, uh, unbeknownst to Billy, it was actually an interactive fountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when Mr. Payne looked down from his office and saw people in this fountain, he really was incredibly surprised. But the entire time, it was, again, something for the children to do come in, enjoy themselves, have a little fun in the park where it's where it's clean and safe. But it's also about the Olympic spirit. So there's a number of attractions throughout the park that tell the story of the original Olympic Games, what we did here in Atlanta, all the athletes that participated. And one of the things that people forget about a lot is the Paralympics that are always tied to the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a very special a Paralympic tribute uh, there in the park that actually talks about, you know, kind of two weeks later, all those athletes that came and participated as well. Oh, excellent. excellent. That's, that's got to be a spectacular event. It, it's yeah. it's uh, it's a it's a great event. It's a, and it's a great space. And we think we've told the story from uh, really the uh, the 1896 games all the way through the end of our games there in the park. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Joe Scopitz. He's the assistant general manager at Centennial Olympic Park, right in the heart of Atlanta. Uh, gosh, Joe, uh, you know there's uh, a lot going on down there. What 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 are you know some of the things that you think are you know reasons why that the area, the development of that area has been so critical to a, a downtown Atlanta? Well, I mean, we think we're pretty special. Just ask me. Uh, <laughs> after 12 years, I can tell the story pretty well. But it's really about the people that have built around us that kind of solidify that story for us. So when you look at the different hotels that have come about, the condominiums that have gone up, and then all the museums, the Children's Museum of Atlanta is there. Right. The new World of Coke moved over from underground to right across the street from us. The world's largest aquarium, the Georgia Aquarium. And then the two new attractions, the Center for Civil and Human Rights and the College Football Hall of Fame. So something says that if uh, if we weren't doing our job right and the community wasn't uh, banding together to really bring attractions to downtown, they wouldn't be there. Uh, and you talk about those five attractions, it just brings so many people to the heart of downtown Atlanta that, that might not normally come. Yeah, would it be safe to say it's the anchor of that whole area? I'll let other people. Fair? I'll let other people say that. Uh, um, we just make sure that it's uh, again. We we go back to those three pillars: keep it clean, keep it safe, and actively programmed. And we hope then then everything builds up around us. Good politically correct comment, Joe. We, we just want to make sure everyone's having a good time <laughs> while they're at the facility. Okay, so what's uh, Googie Burgers? Is why, why is that so popular? Why is that one of the favorite joints? Well, there? it's one of the favorite joints of the locals that are around us and know about it. Uh, we consider it the best burger in Atlanta, and it's won the best burger in Atlanta competition previously. Uh, but it's a pretty good secret, uh, mostly because you don't drive through the park. You walk through the park. So it's not something you see on the side of the road. We know there's some great burger joints out there and uh, around town, but if you're in the park, you want a burger, a fry, and a shake, uh, do something cute for the kids, um, we, we've got plenty to offer there. But it's right in the heart of the park, right next to the Fountain of Rings, mm-hmm. um, and uh, serves one of the best, uh, greasiest, sloppiest burgers you can imagine. <laughs> Sloppier the better, right? Absolutely. Hey, Joe, uh, so Centennial Olympic Park has is, is done a fair amount of large-scale concerts and events over the past couple of years. Uh, you know, what, what goes into planning and, and the production of 
of those kind of shows. What do you think as artists, why do you think they want to come and do the shows there? What, what, what's magical about that? Well, I think one of the things we offer is just it's, it's such a different and unique space. I mean, you can go to Verizon and, and uh, uh, go to an amphitheater, and that's great. It's designed for it. It makes sense. They do 30 shows a year. Uh, if you're uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce, you go to the Georgia Dome because you've got 60,000 people screaming your name. But if you want something a little bit different and just off the beaten path, um, we've had some great luck with uh, marketing our event when it comes to things like the Funnel 4. They're coming to Atlanta because of the Dome. We know that. Uh, the Congress Center is great. The hotels are great. But then they use us as their outdoor space. And what we've been able to do is leverage that into marketing it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we, we know we're going to get Sting and Dave Matthews and, and Zach Brown Band for the Final Four. But then we took that and marketed it and said, great, who else can we bring on our own? Um, so um, it had some great luck uh, last year. Um, and this year coming up, Foo Fighters uh, are going to be in October. Uh, last year was three sold-out shows of Outcast of 60,000 people in the park over that weekend. Uh, and then Mumford & Sons the year previous. So a pretty good run. Uh, we're not going to compete with an amphitheater. Uh, it's not what we do every day. Uh, we want moms and strollers and, and, and folks coming through enjoying their day. But uh, once or twice a year, we do something big like that, bring in, again, 20,000 of your closest friends to enjoy something under the stars in the downtown skyline. It, it's not a, there's not a better compelling um, vista around. Right. You're not going to get that maybe in, in Alpharetta. Um, I'm sure it's lovely there. But uh, it's just something special about doing an event there. And we've appealed to artists who are looking for something different. I think that's kind of the part of the recipe is they're, they're, they're used to playing all these normal venues, and this gives them something else to do. Okay, Joe. Joe Skopitz, is that how you say it? Skopitz. Skopitz. That's all right. I had a feeling I was saying that. That's all right. Joe Skopitz, Assistant General Manager there at the uh, Centennial Olympic Park here on Silver Lining in the Cloud. How many uh, events uh, a year do you guys book, and uh, you know how do you pick the type of events? Yeah, somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 event days a year, uh, we've got something going on. So we, we try to do the, as best we can with a cross-section of events. So uh, charity walks and runs, uh, corporate receptions, weddings, family reunions, uh, the 4th of July celebration, uh, our, uh, some of the self-programmed things that we do with the um, – we just finished up the uh, out- outdoor ice rink in the park. Uh, we're open for 70 days for that. Um, and then you do add in some of those bigger events. Uh, Sweetwater 420 Festival uh, will be coming up in their second year here in April. Uh, we start off our season every year in March with the uh, Publix Georgia Marathon. So it just kind of is a, is a cross-section. We do our best to balance those. We don't want to be one thing. Um, a single note is not how we really operate. Um, but if you can have, uh, again, 20,000 people for a concert, and then a week later you get uh, have a 10-person wedding, Wow. We, we think we're doing our, okay. What kind of a team does it take to put together an event like the 4th of July? Well, we're, we're very lucky. We've got 30 wonderful, dedicated people in the park that are always pulling that one direction. But we also have the resources of the rest of the authority, which is the Georgia Dome and the Georgia World Congress Center. So uh, on a given event, if we need another 20 people to help us out or uh, our entire police department, like on the 4th of July, we bring a lot of resources to the table. And we're very, very lucky that we have those at our disposal. Okay. So what's the vision look like for the, you know, next year, this year, 2015 and coming uh, years well, ahead? Uh, the, the, the goal is to, um, we never want to be what we, we would call a park in need. Um, so we know that other green spaces around the, really the country, if uh, you think of Central Park and even Piedmont Park that have conservancies, um, that um, those spaces we look at and we say, you know, we don't want to be something where we have to ask for help. We don't want someone to look at us and go, 
oh, the windows are broken, the grass isn't cut, and you guys really need to step it up. Our goal is to be ahead of that curve. Um, so we've got a number of projects teed up um, that will hopefully – you know, we've done a good job the last 20 years. Uh, we hope that these projects over the next two or three years will propel us for the next 20 and that we never have to have that dip in service. Um, and again, everybody in downtown wants to feel good about walking through the park. They want to have moms and strollers and downtown workers, and, and that comes with keeping it a, as a best-in-class facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with our uh, friends over at the Congress Center. When you have Microsoft and these major, major conventions and 40,000 cheerleaders that descend upon Atlanta – we want to have that kind of centerpiece and jewel to our campus mm-hmm. for them to utilize while they're here in town. Great, great. Awesome. Sounds awesome. Joe Skopitz with the Centennial Olympic Park. Joe, what, do you, what excites you most about what you do? Well, I, I tell the story that really the first 4th of July that we had, uh, that I was a part of in 2003 in the park, really didn't know what to expect. I'd been on staff about a month uh, prior to the event. And when you bring twenty or 30,000 people together and you've got young and old, people of every race and nationality and, and kids with flags in their hands. And it's just a, a, it's a microcosm of what we do all year long. So I got to experience that in one night where I saw all that at the same time, but I get to do that every day. And so when you see, again, the, the cross-section of people that changes throughout the day, again, early in the morning, joggers are coming through. By noon, the, the moms and strollers are going to museums. At 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the conventioneers are walking around to all the downtown restaurants and attractions. And just seeing all those different groups utilize the facility really, I think, tells a story that we're doing the right things downtown. Excellent, excellent. All right, Joe, so tell our listeners how they can reach out to you, find out a little bit more about the uh, Centennial Olympic Park and uh, what's coming up. Well, we've got a pretty fantastic website. So just uh, uh, centennialpark.com is the website. Um, We've got all of our event information on there. If there's any closures, if something's under repair, all that is uh, on the website. Uh, And then we've got a great PR department that works with us as well. So you can reach out to any of us. Um, But uh, www.centennialpark.com is the best place for information. Great. Thank you, Joe. Absolutely. Yep. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by CDI Managed Services. Next up, uh, let's talk with Maureen Cornoa. Cornoa? Good morning. Yes, Cornoa. 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 Hey, Maureen. So you're the executive director at Gwinnett Children's Center. Tell us a little bit about it. Gwinnett Children's Shelter out mm-hmm. in Buford. We're located off Hamilton Mill Road. Uh, we have a beautiful 45-acre campus where we're taking on a new journey this past year, changing lives of our homeless children and their young moms. Okay, excellent. So how did you get involved in the organization? Oh, that's a God story, I'm afraid. I was minding my own business as an executive director of another wonderful nonprofit out here in Gwinnett. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started out as a volunteer there uh, 10 years ago. I was a volunteer for two years and then became its part-time executive director. And we ended up doing some really wonderful things in the community that uh, got a lot of recognition. And from that, the president of the board of directors of the Gwinnett Children's Shelter sought me out. And uh, under the guise of partnering together, and by the time our hour and a half conversation was over, they were offering me the job that I now sit in. So it's an interesting story. <laughs> oh, it, it, was always, a calling. it always is. It's a calling. It was a calling, yeah. I, I was hoping I wasn't going to tear up, but uh, I had a feeling I might. You might before the end of this conversation. <laughs> yeah, people in your uh, line of work, and, and it's just, uh, it, it is, it is a, an opportunity to just give back. 
and, it, it's and change all, lives. And change lives. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. So you've got a new program there, Maureen, called The Next Step. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it and how it works? Yes, I'd love to tell you about The Next Step. This past June, we started uh, a new program, Changing the Way We Help Our Homeless Children. And for me, it was, how do we keep that family unit together? So we came up with a program called The Next Step, where we invite homeless children and their young moms into our program. We develop customized life plans with them and for them based on the uh, homelessness assessment that we do on intake. There are two types of homelessness that we see, and they're usually either a situational um, homelessness or a generational. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are two very different mindsets. So we had the wonderful opportunity to see, um, assess on intake what that is for that particular young mom. Mm -hmm. So if it's a situation, let's say, you know, uh, mom's got a job in a car and uh, her home burned down. She didn't have renter's insurance, but we know she can sustain herself. That's more of a situation that we can see them through. She may need three, four months with us to save enough money to get back on her feet. So we provide everything they need in a safe, loving, nurturing environment to guide them through. Uh, When our guests are with us, we require parenting, anger management, financial management, um, and any other therapies that they or the children uh, may need because the focus is on our children first. A generational poverty mindset when we accept a young mom into our program, uh, a generational poverty mindset is a whole different animal, if you will. And they're going to need a little more hand-holding, a little more guidance than someone who just has a situation to get through. Um, We have the wonderful opportunity with a young lady with a generational mindset. When we show her another way, um, you know, besides laying around collecting a check, Um, that there's another way that the whole world lives. You know, what is it you want to be? Where do you want to go? What did you dream of as a young child? Everybody has dreamed. Nobody grows up saying, you know, I'm going to be homeless someday and live in a shelter. You had a dream. What is it? What is that passion? And we had the ability to ignite that spark in a young person with us. You know, they love their children. Their children loves their mom. We got to keep them together and show them a better way. It's a teach them to fish. Excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well said, Maureen. Thank you. Well said. Um, so what was the, the Gwinnett Children's Center, you know, shelter, doing, shelter I'm sorry, Thank you. doing before uh, you got involved? Uh, I've been on campus since uh, this coming April 7th will be one year. And the board of directors had made a decision to go in another direction before they brought me on board. But uh, for more than 15 years, Gwinnett Children's Shelter was a state funded facility, not a state-owned facility. And the children that were housed there were teenagers only, and they were wards of the state. They came to us through one of two avenues. Uh, One was Department of Family and Children's Services, while these children were waiting, these teenagers were waiting to be placed in and out of foster care. And the other avenue was Department of Juvenile Justice. Um, So it's as simple as we provided a service to the state for those many years, uh, but it, it had to change because it was simply a business model that was no longer working. The per diems paid by the state to house a child were, you know, mm-hmm. X amount when it actually cost triple X amount to house a child there. So it was as simple as we needed to change. Okay. Okay. Is there, are, are there qualifications or the age qualifications or are there, you know, limits? To get in? To get in. Yeah. Well, 
we encourage um, any young woman with children who's homeless, the children from zero to 17, um, and their young moms, um, typically we see them between 18 to 35, somewhere in there with young children. We also are going after the young girls who age out of foster care. When the state at 18 years old says goodbye, good luck to you, um, you know, we have an opportunity to make sure those young women don't become victims of the street coming to us through another avenue, an unfortunate avenue. We can invite them into our voluntary program, uh, keep them in that safe, loving, nurturing family type environment, keep them in school and see them through to sustainability upon completion of our program. Okay. All right. We're listening to Maureen Carnoa. She is the executive director at Children's, uh, Gwinnett Children's Shelter. Thank you. I don't you. know why I'm struggling with that today. Gwinnett Children's Shelter. Uh, here on Silver Lining in the Cloud. So, Maureen, uh, how is it that uh, the Gwinnett Children's Center Shelter is uh, considered a children's shelter? First and foremost, our focus has been for more than 26 years uh, and will continue to be on the children. So, you know, it's been said to me, well, if you get a homeless mom, you know, why don't you take the children and let the mom get on her feet and give them back? Well, that was hurtful for me to hear because if a mom is homeless doesn't mean she doesn't love her children and her children don't love her unconditionally. They do. So what better way to help our children than to keep that family unit together and show them another way? Okay. Are the are the numbers up or down over the, you know, past five years in terms of uh, homelessness in mm-hmm. the suburbs? Well, I can tell you, um, because I've only been at Gwinnett Children's Shelter since this past April, I did run another nonprofit for uh, eight years before then, and we were a financial resource center and food pantry for families in need out here in uh, Gwinnett County. And I will tell you, we saw those numbers rise tremendously with the economic downturn. And there is a common misconception in the community, especially out here in the suburbs, of what homelessness looks like. Everyone thinks it's the person under the bridge in the inner city. They're not realizing that it's the person waiting your table or, you know, driving your school bus and, you know, going back to a shelter at the end of the day. So we saw the numbers rise when I was at the other organization, and we also saw them, um, you know, the people needing um, temporary assistance kind of come and go, and those numbers level off. But homelessness, unfortunately, is alive and, uh, unfortunately, again, well in the suburbs. Okay. Maureen, I know you've heard endless stories, mm-hmm. heartfelt, just gut-wrenching stories. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share a recent story maybe of a family in need? I can. A turnaround? I know exactly uh, whose story I was going to share with you. Um, I met a young mom who we took into our program when we opened the doors this past June into the next step. And... Uh, She has four children. When she came to us, she had a two-month-old, a two-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a 13-year-old. And last November and December, she had to leave a situation, and she found herself living in her Ford Explorer uh, down closer to the city, and she was pregnant with the youngest at that time. So November and December, my first question to her was, well, how did you do that? Oh, wait a minute. How did the girls go to school? And she said, well, I'd get up and go to McDonald's and get them breakfast, and we'd go clean up in a bathroom, and neither one of her kids missed one day of school. Um, And I said, in the car on Thanksgiving, what did you do? And she said, we went to Cracker Barrel, and I said, how did you keep them warm? And she said, Maureen, there was a 
God's hand all over it. Uh, she found one parking garage where she could back in away from security cameras. And for some reason, in that parking garage, there was an electrical outlet. And she was able to go to Walmart and buy a portable heater and plug it in and put it through the window of the car to keep them warm. And I said, okay, now how do you tell the 12, 13-year-old who knows what the situation is? How do you how do you do that? And I'm looking into the eyes of a mother, as a mother myself, feeling that pain of hers. And she was, she said, we made it an adventure. Mm. You know, yeah. I made it an adventure. And the older one knew. And she helped, you know, keep with the younger ones. Yeah. And then my next question was, how did you do Christmas morning? She said, just an adventure. And we got through it. So when they came to us, mm. I will tell you, she walked into the, we have a beautiful home, beautiful campus. And when she walked into the room that um, would be hers with the kids for the next um, mm. several months, she walked in and buried her face in her hands and she started to cry. And she said, I can't believe I have my own bathroom. I get to bathe my children. Mm-hmm. And when you think about all the things that we're so blessed to think about every day, you know, am I going on yeah. my boat this weekend? Do I have steak or salmon for yeah. dinner? I mean, you, goodness, it puts things in perspective. It does. And it also motivates me yeah. to go out and say, hey, we all come together and do this better. Yeah, the bare essentials of life are, for some people, a struggle. Mm-hmm. It's hard hard to imagine. Uh, and God bless women for keeping the family unit together. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how they do it sometimes. Um, so let's talk about the funding. Let's let's uh, after mm-hmm. that story, we've got to talk about funding. Let's mm-hmm. get this organization funded. Um, how does that work uh, going forward? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. talk about what uh, how you get your funds and how people can help you. What that looks that, like? Yes. Know, look like? As of the end of May this past year, in 2014, we we severed ties with the state. We no longer house the teenagers from juvenile justice or defects. We've gone in an entirely different direction with a new business model. And part of that included, included includes, I'm sorry, um, taking a huge leap of faith that we're on a path uh, with a results-driven program, and we're going to rely heavily on the corporate community, the civic communities, the religious communities uh, to come alongside and say, hey, we love what you're doing, um, and we want to help. Are there particular events that, that, that are uh, thrown into that mm-hmm. to, to generate funds? Yes, that that's a new... Um, we're, we're actually seeking a new fund development director right now, okay. and uh, we've taken on our first annual gala this past November called Harvest of Hope, and we're looking to do a golf tournament in early June and a ladies' fashion show and luncheon coming up. So there's several things on the horizon uh, that everybody can step in and be a part of. And if something about what we're doing calls to your heart, um, you know, we're open to um, all the help we can get from okay. our community. Okay. Maureen Kernoa, she is the executive director at Gwinnett Children's Shelter. Uh, what a great story. What a great cause. Uh, Maureen, what... what what do you like most about it? And I, I kind of, I'm getting it here, but uh, what, what is it that, that takes people from one direction and turns them into another? And what does it, you know? Well, that's the unique opportunity we have at Gwinnett Children's Shelter. And let me just back up a minute because this is all going to make sense. Early on in my nonprofit career, uh, someone called the agency that I was running a Band-Aid agency. Mm. A Band-Aid agency meaning... Somebody needs a weekend in a hotel here, a bag of food here, pay your light bill there. Um, But you're really not changing lives. 
So with the new challenge at Gwinnett Children's Shelter and going in this new direction, helping our children keep the family unit together, we had an opportunity by going in this new direction to change lives with a results-driven program. So we take a family from the situation they're in, assess it, show them a way out, not tell them, here, go do it. Invite them in and guide them weekly. We are huge on accountability in our program. You have weekly tasks with your life coach. And at the end of week one, you earn week two. At the end of week two, you earn week three. So if you're not on task living that plan that we design with you and for you, um, you know, then we're probably not the right program for you. The exciting thing is it's designed to do something, Hmm. to end the cycle of homelessness for that family. So that's really exciting because you take them from one situation, they're not hopeless anymore. We instill Mm -hmm. hope. Mm -hmm. And we show them the other way and see them through. And results-oriented, and you're seeing the effects of of your program. Right. Results-oriented. It's a new program, results-oriented, results-driven, and it's very, very exciting to see what we can do. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, they say in some circles, tough love, but it does work. I'm a big tough love person. And you know what? It's our responsibility as as good stewards of the monies entrusted to us to be that tough love. Because if we're not, you're not going to be any better off when you leave our program. So it's important that we're tough love. Excellent. Excellent. Is there anything else you'd like to add to to what you guys are doing over there at the uh, Gwinnett? Children's Shelter? Yeah, a couple things. One, we're hiring right now. Uh, so please go to our website at uh, GwinnettChildrenShelter.org. Uh, there are a couple positions uh, that have recently come available. We're expanding, opening our second house on the property uh, February 16th. and need some staff, weekend staff and overnight staff. Um, and that's a great place for you to uh, decide what department works for you. If you'd like to come volunteer, we're um, going to depend largely on volunteers in the coming years and see how we grow and how you can help. Okay. That's, that's a great story, Maureen. I, it's, um, I hope everyone's listening that uh, they can help uh, get involved with you guys, either voluntarily or, uh, you know, just uh, fund it, help fund it at the uh, at the Gwinnett Children's Shelter, Maureen Cornoa. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much yeah, for having bet. me. You bet. Okay, so uh, next up we'll be talking with Vanessa Anderson. She is a superintendent with one of the distinguished private schools here in Marietta called Covenant Christian Ministries Academy. Hi, Vanessa. Good morning. Hey, welcome to the show. Tell us about your school and uh, what's happening over there in Marietta. Well, Covenant Christian Ministries Academy has been around since 1994, so we're just um, going through our 21st year of existence. Um, And as I speak to the audience today, one of the um, primary goals is to let them know the mission of our school, um, our philosophy, and why we exist, um, how we can be the silver lining uh, for uh, some of the things that they may be going through in their lives. Okay, okay. That's excellent. We love the silver lining part of it. That's for <laughs> sure. Um, talk about school choice. Tell us about school choice and what, what that's all about. All right. School choice. This is actually National School Choice Week um, from January the 25th through the 31st. Uh, on last evening, we had um, our parent awareness night. And with that, we celebrated the opportunity that parents have um, a choice in where their children will be educated. Um, the public school is not the only entity that is available to them. And some are dissatisfied with the quality of education that their children are receiving. And so, therefore, there is private Christian education. There are 
other private schools. There is um, online education, different options that are available to parents. Mm-hmm. And so, again, school choice give the, gives the parent the ability to have a say in where their children will be educated. Um, if they're looking for a faith-based um, education for their children that not only provides academic knowledge, but also a foundation in uh, the Word of God, then they have that as an option. And so, again, in order to be able to choose um, is a privilege and a right, I think, that all parents should avail themselves of. Okay, and it sounds like your your mission and your philosophy is a, a little bit different, I think, is kind of uh, what I'm getting into it. Uh, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about what's going on in terms of the mission and the philosophy at the school. I'd be happy to. Uh, The mission of Covenant Christian Ministries Academy is to prioritize the wisdom of God first and to include him in every aspect of our lives as we provide a quality academic program equipping students for higher learning and guiding them to a productive life in a society. And so that's one of the statements um, that our teachers, our students recite on a daily basis as we begin our day. Um, We acknowledge our purpose for being in that particular educational institution. We recite our pledge to the Christian flag, pledge to the American flag, again, developing patriotism and all of those qualities and characteristics within our students. Um, As a Christian organization, we recognize that the wisdom of God is key. And so therefore, uh, we spend the first week of school, and that's each year, in August when we begin, going over each of the pledges, spending one morning in an extended homeroom period so that it's not just words that they're reciting, but they have an understanding of what it is that they're, the positive statements that they're making over their lives. So when we say prioritizing the wisdom of God first, we recognize that in order to accomplish success, uh, we need his wisdom. We need him working um, on the inside of us. And it says in every aspect of our lives, we know that we all have different giftings, different abilities, but if we Um, give back to God what he's given to us, then he can use what he's placed on the inside of us to cause us to be successful. Uh, Part of that mission statement also addresses uh, providing a quality academic program. So we recognize that the students must have the skill set to be prepared for the next level of learning, post-secondary education, moving into the workforce. So all of those things are vitally important. It's um, imperative that students just don't pass through the system uh, just being exposed to material, that true learning takes place in each and every classroom. So we believe uh, quality academics is imperative in that. Okay, Vanessa Anderson, she is the administrator and superintendent, or do you have a dual title? A dual title, yes. Excellent, (laughs) excellent, at the uh, Covenant uh, Christian Ministries Academy in in, uh, Marietta, sorry. Uh, Okay, Uh, Vanessa, tell us a little bit about uh, student accomplishments. I know you guys have some fantastic things uh, in terms of your history there uh, with some of your students. Well, I'll just uh, speak to a couple of recent accomplishments um, over the past year. Um, Actually, this year, our students have competed in Spelling Bee. And that was for grades first through eighth. And so we had students who uh, participated in that event. Our fourth graders brought home a first place in that event. Seventh, seventh graders brought home first and second place. Eighth graders brought home first place. So we are very competitive uh, when we engage in any uh, competition. Our goal is to, to win. Um, Also, um, we were pleased this year that one of our seniors, um, during her junior year, she actually scored high enough on the PSA.
SAT to be listed as a National Achievement Scholarship um, semifinalist. And so with that, the selection index has to be high enough on the PSAT for you to be considered for that. So I think there were only about five schools in uh, Marietta that were named, and one of those semifinalists came from Covenant Christian Ministries Academy. So we were excited about that. And then lastly, um, we had two students taking the AP U.S. History exam, um, and with that, uh, they obtained a perfect score. The scores ranged from one to five, and both that sat for that exam scored a five. And to hear the testimony of the teacher, uh, Mrs. Hope Gamboa, who prepared those students, she teaches, we call her our history guru. So from <laughs> middle school all the way to high school, uh, she's pouring into them. She has an exceptional knowledge of um, historic facts, American history, U.S. history, across the board. And then with that, she um, gave testimony of even some of the projects that those students had engaged in while they were in eighth grade was laying a foundation when they would sit for the AP U.S. history exam in 11th grade. So we give God all the glory for what our students are able to accomplish and to achieve. Well, a perfect score in anything is a great <laughs> accomplishment. That's, yes. uh, it's hard to imagine how people get a perfect score. You know. <laughs> uh, so uh, international students, uh, you have international students, you have a program, or um, I see some acronyms here, F1, S-E-V-I-S, and... J1, is it? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Um, the F1 students are the students who actually receive an I-20 provided to them um, by our school, and they're able to come from whatever country to um, complete their high school education with us. Uh, we've had students over the years uh, from Suriname, Senegal, Nigeria, Haiti, Serbia, uh, the Netherlands, Cameroon, the Bahamas, Dominican Republic, Republic and Dominica. So all of those are F1 students. They actually uh, move here. They live here for two, three years, um, high, graduate from high school, and then move on to post-secondary education. Uh, the J1 students are actually student exchange uh, students. And so um, not this year, we don't have any, but last uh, two years ago, we had a student exchange um, that came from uh, France, uh, two from Germany, China, Taiwan, and Thailand. So with that, um, we were able to incorporate a cultural awareness day where uh, the students actually adopted a country and they learned more of the culture and the, the language, the food um, of the country that they had adopted. And then we had a, a fair if you would look at it that way, in the gym, where they would, you would see um, the attire worn by uh, various people from that country. They would sample food from that country. We actually had someone from the German consulate downtown to come and set up a booth. And so, again, even some of our um, families that may have roots from Haiti or some other country, uh, they brought in food that would give us um, an opportunity to experience their culture, even though they now reside here in the United States. Mm. So um, even though we have a small student population, uh, we still are preparing students globally. Uh, they get to experience um, cultures from all over the world based on the students that come to be a part of our, our student population. Oh, that's fascinating. And I'm sure your other students, uh, uh, there are non- international students uh, really enjoy that. I mean, it's getting to travel without having to get on a plane. You know? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's great. Uh, I love that program. So uh, talk about some of your upcoming events, Vanessa. Well, 
We have a couple of events uh, that are forthcoming. In the month of February, February the 13th, we have a dessert theater that's planned. And during February, the nation takes out time to acknowledge the accomplishments of African Americans. So our dessert theater has a theme of our African heritage alongside of God's love and our love for each other. And so those persons who present on that evening, uh, whether it be spoken word, poetry, um, dance, uh, mime, or even a, a brief fashion show uh, sporting some of the attire from uh, our African countries. Um, it's an opportunity for guests to come out and to enjoy a delicious dessert buffet as well as be entertained um, by spoken word and various other types of entertainment. So there is dessert, real dessert. Real dessert, ah. banana pudding, cake, brownies. Fruit wow. trays as well. <laughs> and then coffee and water to go along with that. Oh, wow. Are outsiders welcome? Outsiders are welcome. You can actually go to our website, uh, www.ccmacademy.org, and um, purchase tickets online. Oh, perfect, perfect. Um, okay, so uh, Marie, uh, Vanessa, tell us a little bit about the um, uh, income-based SSO program uh, that you have. Okay, the income-based SSO, I would say about maybe four or five years ago, um, the government actually instituted a way for um, individuals to allocate a portion of their tax dollars uh, to pay for uh, private education. And so, therefore, there are various SSOs, which are student scholarship organizations, where that money is paid to, and then from there... Um, they can designate Covenant Christian Ministries Academy as a recipient of that, and those funds go towards providing um, scholarships to students to attend our academy. Um, two of the SSOs that have been um, able to call students to enroll in our school, uh, AAA, um, that provides approximately $7,600 per student. And with that, they are looking for uh, families that may have uh, low income, would not in uh, any other means be able to provide private education for um, their students or their children. So with that, um, it covers the tuition costs, registration costs, uh, covers even purchase of uniforms. So again, they're trying to cover the bases, and that's renewable each year. Uh, parents are encouraged, if they uh, fall within that income bracket, uh, to fill out applications so that um, their children would actually have opportunity to avail themselves of a private education. And then there's another organization called Pay It Forward. Uh, with that, they have a website that is set up. Um, various schools that are um, able to receive funds through Pay It Forward, people can go to that website to uh, make donations or parents can go to that website to apply for scholarships and then again indicate the school that they're interested in enrolling their children in. Okay. Vanessa Anderson at Covenant Christian Ministries Academy. Uh, Vanessa, tell us uh, there's an open house, there's a open registration coming up? Yes. W even though we're in January, we're now making preparations for uh, the 2015-2016 school year. And so with that, um, we have a parent awareness program, an open house that will be scheduled for April uh, the 28th. Actually, April 28th is our um, annual fund program, and we're encouraging all parents to come out if they have an interest um, 
in enrolling in Covenant Christian Ministries to come out and see some of the gifts and talents being displayed by our students. We also acknowledge those um, donors that have made a contribution of more than $500 or more into our annual fund program, and then also to get information on um, the programs that we have to offer as a school. So a registration officially opens uh, April the 1st, and then uh, mid April, we're looking at an open house where parents will actually be able to come in, walk through some of the classes, um, have an assembly program that we can field any questions that they may have as they are op um, exercising their option for school choice. Okay, excellent, Vanessa. I know the I know the school has uh, has had a great basketball program. Yes. I have to bring that up. <laughs> uh, in fact, I think you've had some NBA. Uh, potential stars there. Yes, we have. Um, anything coming up there that we should look forward to uh, or anyone we should start watching? Well, we have some promising athletes um, that are uh, juniors and seniors uh, this year. Um, one of our seniors this past year went to, I want to say, University of Tulsa. Uh, that was two years ago. Um, he's a seven-footer. Uh, we're looking for uh, NBA options to come out of, of that. Uh, we did have a young man to graduate from St. Bonaventure, and then from there um, he's now pre playing professional um, overseas. Um, we have a young man, I'm not sure of Martin's number. He's a junior this year, but many of colleges, coaches have been in our gyms taking a look at our athletes and already uh, beginning to, to court him and encourage him to come to their, their college or university. So we're excited about being able to um, impact the students not only through the Word of God mm -hmm. or by academic knowledge, but also to exercise their athletic gifts, talents, and abilities. And for some, they have aspirations for the NBA. So we're teaching them to how, how to be men of character so that as God elevates them to the next level, that they will be able to um, walk with a level head and make wise decisions uh, with regard to their future. You can't do better than that. You can't do better than that. That's the big three right there. <laughs> Academics and, and sports and, and God combined. How can you do better than that? Okay, Vanessa Anderson telling, to, with the Covenant Christian Ministries Academy. She is administrator. To find out more about the school, uh, how to reach out to you, um, or if you want to add anything else before we uh, wrap this up. Well, um, let's see. If you would like to uh, reach out to us, our website, www.ccmacademy.org, or you can visit us on Facebook, Facebook, <laughs> www.facebook.com slash ccma.marietta, or you can email us at office at ccmacademy.org. So again, we're looking for uh, like-minded parents to um, partner with us. Uh, we'd love to be laborers together with you to help to pour into the lives of your children uh, to ensure that there is a godly seed in the earth. Part of our mission is to make sure that they are viable and productive citizens in society. So, again, with that, we'd love to have you um, look us up on um, our website and contact us if you desire to have more information. Okay. Thank you, Vanessa. Okay. So, you've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk business to business. Thank you again to our guest today, Joe Skopitz with the Centennial Olympic Park, um, Maureen Carnoa. She is the executive director at Gwinnett Children's Center and also Vanessa Anderson with Covenant Christian Ministries Academy. We had a fourth guest, uh, Kik, K-I-K, Katz, uh, CFO at PAC light and apparently he was having some difficulties getting to the studio this morning so we miss you 
kick, and uh, we look forward to having you on the show. Uh, we appreciate all of you for what you do in your companies and what you contribute to the local community here in Atlanta and the surrounding communities. Uh, on behalf of our sponsor, CDI Managed Services, I'm Dominic Rainey, and it's been a pleasure hosting today's show. To listen to this show and other Silver Lining in the Cloud broadcasts, go to silverlining.businessradiox.com. And until next week, remember, when it comes to outsourced IT support, migrating your company to the cloud, CDI Managed Services is your silver lining in the cloud. <laughs>